<laughs> Who knew Dave could beat the drums and beat? You know, I used to see him do this all the time, but I never knew he could do that, you know. Um, all right, just a couple of reminders real quick. This is, this verse fits that song, doesn't it, beautifully? It's just a reminder that in creation, we see God's hand. Uh, we'll be back at the end of the year, hopefully with her and a visa in hand. Um, but we, we've been exchanging. He's um, into the whole you know, artificial intelligence and creation and this debate that goes on between um, the education system and, and how we explain God's creation. And it's, it'll be forever ongoing debate. But it, it's fascinating to watch him and the younger generation come up and, and learn how to meld the, the philosophy and the science together. And to me, they're, they're inseparable. And, and they're amazing, both of them. Um, so it, it, it's, it's our job, you know, I think as parents and uh, to give our, our children space to explore and to prod and anything true can withstand any amount of scrutiny. So I encourage them to dig, you know, and, and I know that Jesus is enough. And I look forward to them realizing that so they can rest in that. Just a reminder, this also was not planned with the music, but I thought it was really cool that God puts this on my heart last night to add this slide. And just a reminder of where we are. So our that's not the sun in the middle, by the way. Uh, that little arrow points to our solar system, where our sun is and all our planets. And, and, and from this perspective, looking at the, the Milky Way, you, you can't even see us. We're imperceivable. And then you think about the microscopic little animals that are running around in the park that we've shown you before, you know, the just magnificent jeweled little bugs that you can't see without a microscope. And you realize how amazing um, God's creation is. So just a little reminder how awesome and how big our God is and what he's capable of. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at Mark's gospel and just understand a little bit about what was going on with, with Jesus. So if you've, if you've got your Bibles today, go ahead and get them out. We'll use them today. Or get your phone app out, Ryan, Mr. Technology. And, um, it, you know, no texting or Facebooking during church. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, right. So we're, gonna, we're just going to think about our relationships and how we re relate and what was going on with Jesus and what was he teaching. Um, we're, we're, you know, in the, in the first uh, chapter of Mark's gospel, we just, we see Jesus starting his ministry with, with John the Baptist and um, the calling of the first disciples, you know, through, through Mark 1.18. And, and then immediately you see Jesus begin his, his healing. He, he, you know, the demons knew that the supernatural evil in the world that's out there uh, knew who Jesus was. They didn't, they didn't have struggle with belief. They knew. And so you see this throughout John's gospel where Jesus is confronted with evil spirits and at times he even commands them because it was too early for people to know who he was. So he would command the evil spirits, don't, don't talk about who I am. Uh, but he drives them out and people were amazed. And he was in, a, was in a part, he was up around, this early part of his ministry uh, was up around the Sea of Galilee, which arrow works. See right here? Um, that's a beautiful lake. It's 
called the Sea of Galilee, but it's really just a big lake. And on, on this is Tiberius and Capernaum and, uh, and all these folks up here, all the way down into Jerusalem, begin to hear about Jesus healing people miraculously, driving demons out. People were, you know, curled hands were unfolding, and, and it was just constant. And his, his teaching was amazing. People were amazed at his understanding of the Scripture, and, and he taught in parables. So he, he got people to think, and he, re, he you know, got people to relate. And we're going to look at some of those parables. But you begin to see, um, you know, here in Mark 1, uh, 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon. And his mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, and he took her hand, and he helped her up, and the fever left her immediately, and she began to wait on him. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Now, imagine that. You know, we read this stuff, and we forget these little details. So you can imagine, here's Jesus in this house. And people are hearing about the healing, and they're, hu they're hungry for healing, not knowing that he's the ultimate healer, right, for eternal life for us. And the whole town is at the door. And Jesus was patient, and he, and he just laid his hands on him. He healed many who had various diseases, and he drove out demons. And again, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. It wasn't time yet. This is our, this is our Jesus, and this is... You know, Jesus' life is well documented. There's, there's not a lot of debate about who he was and why he was crucified. Uh, he was a threat to the power structure because there was this overwhelming following that was gathering from this whole region to come to know Jesus, mainly because of his teaching and his healing ministry. They didn't understand who he was totally yet. And so... Jesus had to go other places. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, I'm in, I'm in verse 35. Um, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Great example for us. You know, my best time with the Lord is when I get up and it's still quiet. And the good thing about being on China jet lag is you wake up at 3 in the morning and you're up. You know, don't need any coffee. You know, you just go out on the back patio and the frogs are really loud. For those of you who live in Viridian, you know how loud the frogs are. Uh, and I spend time with, with, with the Lord, and I get to experience what Jesus got to experience. You know, and, and our relationship with him and our time with him is important because then that love that we have for him just pours out. It just can't help. You know, if, if you're spending time with the Lord in the morning, um, when you start your day, you're just different. You're tolerant for the chaos that reigns during the day, whether it's you're raising children or you're in business or you're in politics, God forbid. Um, you know, you're, you're used to, um, you know, just needing to be prepared for the day. And Jesus gives us that example. So he went on in chapter 1 and he heals a man with leprosy. And, you know, when you got healed in a Jewish, when you were given some kind of healing or gift, you were supposed to go show yourself um, to the head of the synagogue and let them know and make your sacrifice. And that's what Jesus instructed this person to do, and of course they didn't. Instead, they went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. So all of these towns, the word had spread so fast about this wise man who was healing people that he couldn't even enter a town. 
uh, he had he had to be careful about where he went and and knew that there were going to be huge crowds and then in chapter two he heals the paralytic um, and and then on and on and he appoints the twelve apostles um, and and then we start to see in chapter three verse twenty um, there were he was a threat to the power structure in Jerusalem. So we begin to see, you know, the difference between a relationship and and in the movement that Jesus was starting and religion. That battle that I think still reigns to a certain extent, you know, that um, power structure. And and what what's important is people get wounded, and they get caught in the middle of that. You know, that 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 debate and and they get disillusioned with the church uh, at times. And human nature is the same, right? So, you know, Jesus was about love. He was about helping people um, learn about Jesus, about opening up a pathway, about fulfilling the scriptures. And, and he's trustworthy. Um, but he, because of that, he was a threat. And you see it here. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. And, and they said, is he out of his mind? And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. And I love what Jesus said. That Jesus said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That's really famous, but this is where it comes from. And if Satan opposed himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemes of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus was upset with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, mainly the Sadducees, and their legalistic approach of keeping people into bondage. And, and he was upset that they didn't recognize that he was the Messiah. And I, you know, I go through all this because I think it's important to see what's happening. You know, Jesus is loving on people, he's healing them, and the movement is growing like crazy. And yet, there, there, there are those in the power structure that want to hold him back because they don't want to lose their power. You know, and they're, and they're human. They're probably good people. They were just disillusioned. And so when we get into an authority position, whether it's in the church or whatever organization we're in, we've always got to have people around us to keep us humble, you know, to remind us that, hey, it's about love and it's about Jesus and his movement. And, and it's not about our power structure. You know? And in the family, as, as I had to learn that as a dad. You know, it's because I'm dad and papa, that comes with, a responsibility to serve and to love, and that I, I use that as a whipping post. You know, I was, I was, I'm the dad. You know, I was proud to be the dad and have my family, and I was going to strong arm them. You know, I was going to make sure there was this discipline. You know, and I went too far the discipline route. Now I've figured it out over time. I love my kids, and I had a good wife. She gave me a lot of feedback, and <laughs> gently, it still gives me a lot of feedback. Um, and, and, and you grow, right? We grow over time. And God designed it that way. You know, I think we're, we're, we're not the smartest. Um, 
So then, then Jesus gets into the parable of the sower, and I think this is a really important parable. Uh, and in Mark's gospel, you get a bonus parable. It's not in any of the other gospels. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's, let's go through uh, the parable of the sower. Uh, just, this is uh, the Mount of Beatitudes, they believe. But this is a, a view of the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful. This is the area where Jesus was going from town to town and village to village. It's, it's, or it's really pretty. And on one side, where, where, the, where the Jewish of the Sea of Galilee, on the other side, you had uh, the Gentiles. And you'll see where Jesus crosses over and the big storm comes. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see where he's heading over to interact with the, the Gentiles a little bit. But let's go through the parable of the sower. So again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. You can imagine there he is down by the lake. And at this point, there's a crowd, of course. The crowd gathered around him. It was so large that he had to get into a boat, and he sat in it on the lake. And while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. So the parables we see in the Scripture are, I think, a fraction of what he taught. You know, he, he taught in parables constantly. I'd love to have the rest of it, wouldn't you? So I look forward when someday when I get to be with him, um, getting to hear some of the other parables that I haven't heard. He said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and it grew and it produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. Jesus said, he who has the ears to hear, let him hear. Then when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. So they retreated, and they were, they were alone together. And the disciples said, can you explain that a little bit for us? And Jesus said, well, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And the farmer sows the word, the word of God. The farmer sows the word of God. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Yeah, I try and find where, where, where am I in this parable? Where was I when I was younger? Where, where am I now? Where are you in this parable? You know, for those of us that hear the word and understand it, where, where are we as we read through? Think about that. Others, like the seed sown on the rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. And since they have no root, they only last a short time. They have this explosion of, of joy, and then they don't get rooted in good soil. And they only last a short time, and they drift away. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You know, it's not easy believing in Jesus. 
sometimes. It's the supernatural, right? You know, and, and, and to believe you know, that the creator of the universe would humble himself and become uh, human, that's, that's, that can be hard for people to, to believe. It's remarkable. But the world we live in is remarkable. Our God's a big God like we just saw with all these billions of planets and the complexity of life and the mystery of music and math and all these things that we just are. You know, math and music didn't evolve. It just is. You know, we may have evolved, but those rules that were set in place never did. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and they produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. What does producer crop mean? No? What does it mean to you, producer crop? Are, are, are you in the crop producing business? You know, and in your own way, you know, each of us are completely unique. You know, the billions of people that the song talked about that are on this planet are all unique. We relate to God in a unique way. But we all have the same purpose. Man, Jesus wants us to produce a crop. And at every age, so our young people, you guys, you know, you can produce a crop. You know, what, does that, what does that mean to produce a crop? So when you pour into this place or any place with God's word, when you're in, you know, is Jesus in your mindset? This week, I was reminded because we were doing mission outreach at the apartment. So for a few nights this week, we just had teams and we went out and knocked on the doors and met all the new apartment dwellers over there. And our goal was just to see if they knew who Jesus was and invite them to the church. And it's scary. It was scary to do that. It was awkward at first. Then you kind of get over the awkwardness. And, and then you have some amazing conversations, just two or three, with people that needed to, wanted to hear. You're like, wow, who knew? You know, people want to know. And so we're, we're called to produce a crop, whether it's within our family, our, our PAYS team that went into the, into the high school. Man, they were producing crops, producing crops. So whether we're working, whatever we're doing, raising our family, we should have that mindset. Are we rooted in the gospel enough that we're excited to share his word and, and, and produce a crop? I want to drop down to this next parable. This is the bonus parable, okay? Um, verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not even know how. So he's asleep, and it's happening. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. As soon as the grain is ripe, puts the sickle in it because the harvest is ripe. The gospel is powerful. The seed you're planting when you, when you share God's love with people, the way we behave is powerful. The fact that the gospel can control those fleshly urges that we have to, to be mean or selfish or whatever, that witness when you overcome that in yourself is so powerful, so powerful. And it's so important. The world needs the hope that you bring. 
God's given you an, a, a power. And the beautiful thing is you, you just share his love with people, plant that seed, and, and we have a promise, man. It's, it's powerful. It's going to grow on its own. You just have to be willing to help. Be, be those vessels. And then lastly, he said, what shall we say the king, uh, kingdom is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? Is it like a mustard seed? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Jesus is talking about this movement. He's talking about the movement that's being birthed with the disciples. So here are these, here's this, you know, the little town they were in, just this small place in the world. And Jesus knew with the disciples and with the power of the Holy Spirit was this movement that was going to cover the globe. And we're in the middle of it, and it's magnificent. And, and what a cool thing that we get, we get to understand now what he meant by that. And it's going to have such big branches, this movement, that the birds of the air can perch in it. That it's a symbolism for refuge. You know, it's a safe place. It should be a safe place. You know, we, we as the church have got to make sure the church is a safe place, a loving place, a place where people can, can go on their journey and trust who's there unconditionally. There's another part in here, and I passed over it, but it talks about, you know, uh, they came. Jesus' family came, and someone they were at the door, and somebody said, uh, "Hey, your family's out at the door." And he said, "My my family's right here. My family's right here. Your spiritual family. I have found is as deep or deeper in my journey in, in, in terms of how they love me than my own family. And listen, I love my own family. We have an awesome family, and I'm." I'm not trying to degrade that. I'm just saying that, that man, my, my spiritual family who loves me unconditionally and is seeking the Lord and is helping me along my journey, um, man, that's pretty special. You know? And Howard, wherever Howard went, where'd Howard go? Wandered off in the back making coffee probably. Okay? There he is. <laughs> Sticking his tongue out. Uh, you know, what a gift for me. You know, I meet this guy 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I don't know, I'm trying to run him off. I mean, he's a brother so close, you know, that he has the, he has the combo to the safe and the keys to the house. And, you know, when, when beyond my own family, he's who I go to. Because he, he and I have grown in our faith together. I hope you have someone like that. You know, I hope you have someone besides your own immediate family, that loves the Lord so much and loves you so much because of the way they love the Lord, that, that you can trust them that way. What a gift. What a gift. That's what this is all about. You know, Jesus knew that. He knew that if you had the biblical wisdom that's in the Proverbs, the ancient wisdom, and, and he told us, love God, man, seek him, and love, love Jesus, love your neighbor. He knew how good that would be. He knew how. And we have to protect from the evil one coming in trying to destroy that and attacking you and attacking the church. Just be on guard. There's a real battle going on. We see from Jesus' life that he was constantly casting out demons. So we know that there really are demons in the world. 
You know, that's not very cool to talk about. I don't even like to think about it. But we have to be, you know, you don't have to be afraid of them. Just be aware that there will be attacks. And, and that manifests itself in some ugly ways. There's some great ministries out there that have completely exploded because of the attacks of the enemy, and they weren't looking. You know, not paranoid, just aware. You know, and, hey, you know, when your kids are out there and they're roaming around with other kids, you know, who are they with? And, you know, the enemy will attack through other, other you know, just be on guard and pay attention. Um, not to be afraid, but just to be aware. Lastly, and we'll close with this, that the day when evening came, he said to his disciples, hey, let's, let's go over the other side. Wanted to go, wanted to go over here. Hey, let's, let's go over there. And Jesus was tired. Um, so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And this furious squall came up. You know how we get our thunderstorms and it goes from calm seas to three-foot swells. Well, that happened on their lake. And the waves were breaking over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. They were getting ready to sink. And Jesus was in the back sleeping. And the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, he's snoozing, right? He's all calm. He knows what's going on. And they're all panicking. And so he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, Quiet, be still. He was tired and grumpy, I think. So he slept for a minute, right? He let him see his supernatural self. Uh, then the wind died and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you guys so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. Now, in this verse where it says they were terrified, I think they were, they were, more, they were terrified of Jesus at this moment. Who is this man? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That was a, that was a wake-up call to the disciples. This, this guy's legit. He's healing people. He's speaking calm to the... To the... So I have to tell you, I, I, we are told, and, and I, I, can't, I don't know how much faith I actually have sometimes. I'm always, you know, I'm human, right? But we're told by the power of the Holy Spirit we can speak life and healing and and, and that, that's a, a gift that we've been given. So when we were in China, um, the morning of the wedding, we were supposed to parade through town, and it was a 90% chance of rain. I mean, it's going to rain. And so I remember this verse, and I said, all right, Lord, I'm just out of obedience. I'm just going to pray. So I prayed constantly that morning as everyone was getting ready at 6 in the morning that the rain would just go around us, you know. and uh, interestingly enough, just for the period of the parade, we had dry all the way to the event. And as soon as we got in the event, at, you know, it was from about 8.30 to, to 10, we paraded through town. And as soon as we got in the event, the skies opened and it, and it poured. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, I'll never know until I get to heaven that was an answer to prayer or what. Um, but it's on the list. I'm going to ask him about it. Um, so let me just wrap up a couple of things. Um, I love these pictures. 
these are the teams that we get to work with both here and at the mission. Plus, I could put 100 photos up there, but um, I love our Pace team, and um, I'm going to miss you guys terribly. And this will probably be the last time I get to speak before, before he's gone. Um, and I, Paul will be forever grateful, and Lynn, for bringing all these people into my life, and um, Ryan included. Ryan's, Ryan's an adopted son now. He gets to go on all the trips and everything. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm already scheming ways to keep him in the house, you know. Right? So it's, it's good. Um, it's a wonderful thing to work with people who love the Lord and are willing to share. Um, and I'm grateful to get to do that uh, as part of this church family. And this is a good place. It's a sweet place. It's a safe place. Let's keep it that way, right? I love that picture. I've shown that to you probably a year ago, but I brought it back. It's one of my favorites. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. It's so rich. You know, if only we could remember every day just to go spend a little time in there. Um, Father, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for the men that documented just a little bit of what he taught so that we could be amazed at his work. We're grateful for the way people behaved, how they came in throngs, crowds so big, Father, that Jesus had to go hide sometimes. Uh, reacting to the miracles that, that he created. Um, but most of all, Father, we're so willing and are so thankful for his humility, his willingness to get up on that cross for us so that we could have eternal life. Um, man, that's, that's good. So, Father, we just pray blessing over these families this summer, that their travels will be safe, that their children will be safe, and that somehow this summer they'll come to know the Lord just a little closer. Come to know you just a little more. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.